my friend. Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is a show that's meant to help you remember who you truly are. I'm Ashley Stahl, a career expert, the author of the new book, U-Turn, Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, and Design Your Dream Career. It's now available everywhere books are sold. And it's my honor to bring you guest conversations or even a solo episode with me every single week, all designed to help you elevate your confidence in work, in love, and in life. This is a place for you to reconnect to who you truly are, what you truly want, and to really heal from anything that is telling you that you are otherwise. Wherever you are, I am so grateful to be here in your ears. And I also want to give a shout out with so much thanks to our sponsor, Organifi. You can find them over at Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And when you use the U-Turn checkout code, you get 20% off your order. They make the most magical elixirs, whether it's powders for you to get your greens on every day, really tasty, clean protein powders to add into your diet. I have them every single morning. Probiotic powders to help you really heal and strengthen your immune system. So much more. Now let's get in to this week's conversation. What I found was the need to find new levels of resilience, but also to creating a sharing and learning culture really helped me. I I did it with others. I didn't sit on a pulpit. I I actively protected my team, but I engaged with them in their realities because they were facing the same challenges as me and, and, and really allowing that humanity or that transparency, the realism to be part of our engagement, even at a finite level was really helpful but also important so they could see that you know you're not some superhuman untouchable that holds some divine right to lead that you are living it and breathing it with them and you're here to help Hi, U-Turn friends, it's Ash here. And as always, I'm really excited about the work category. I know that I started this podcast as a career show and more than not, you're hearing me talk about, you know, love and mindset. And I thought with the year that we've all had, it's more than time for me to bring Mark Tritton onto the podcast. Um, And for those of you who don't know him, he is the president and chief executive officer of Bed Bath & Beyond. At the beginning of COVID, Bed Bath & Beyond was a group of nine companies, and now it's a group of four companies. So they restructured, made a lot of changes, and that's why I wanted this conversation with him to be about the skill sets and attributes that are so necessary for all of us to run towards managing change, uh, including his leadership style, his approach, some of his best practices as a leader. I know all of us have been thrust into change, and after reading the book Sapiens, I was really fascinated by the number one argument in that book, which is all about how the number one skill set the author argues that we need is reinvention. So without further ado, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Ashley. Glad to be here. Hi, everybody. I I can't help but ask you, what do you think got you into the career path that you're in? I see, you know, just with your 
background, you being from Australia, that you've worked in consulting, you worked at Timberland earlier in your career, Nike. So what do you think it was that got you into the chair you're in and how have you been doing navigating all of this change? You know, it's an interesting one when you think about journey because it goes much further back. I actually am a trained English history teacher and I, I have a Bachelor of Education. I come from a line of educators, my family, and I thought that was a natural progression. I started working in retail when I was 15, put myself through college. And when I came out at the end of my teaching degree, I had taught throughout my degree the, the retail you know, part of the business was seven or eight years in my blood. I really enjoyed business and I really enjoyed customers and product and brands. I learned from some of the best and the pathway kind of came to me, you know, it was, you know, two companies came and said, don't go and teach, come and work for us. And I thought, I'll give that a year and I'll see what happens. And then here I am, you know, 40 years later in this role, living in this country and living in these times. So for me, what's really brought me here is the idea of I love retail, I love customers, I love products, I like storytelling, and I like being an educator. I like creating sharing and learning environments for customers and teams and communities, and that really nourishes me, it drives me, and this kind of, you know, relentless is a tough word, but I think constant improvement, polishing, evolving, migrating, because it's a human business. People change. The world changes, as we've just seen. And the ability to adapt, adopt, change, and help others really drives and motivates me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know that you probably, I mean, just like everyone, you didn't see COVID coming. And no. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm really curious for large companies and brands. What were those days like when the pandemic was very clearly in China, moving into Italy, and we started to realize, okay, now it's coming towards the US. It's it's not preventable. What were those conversations like? And what were the thoughts you were having about the immediate things that would need to change? Yeah, I think your your spotty senses start tingling and you have to have your radar up. I think, you know, one of the things that I pride myself on and I've encouraged my team is to be curious and courageous at the same time and to read and to listen. And so we're watching all the signals and getting very concerned. And it's it's a strange conversation to be having a year and a week down the line, actually, because on that time frame around the 13th of March, I said to my teams, you know, let's make the decision to close the office for two weeks. Mm. send everybody home and let's see what happens. And, you know, 53 weeks later, here we are. Um, But it was a very confusing time. And I think that you kind of have to have a very steady hand, a steady mind and have very big ears and a small mouth. Mm. And and by that, I mean, who has has managed a pandemic? Who knows what's going to happen next? There's nobody in that field. So you have to connect. You have to listen to your, your team's to the authorities, to understanding the human and the business element at the same time of this. So for me, we immediately began reaching out to some of our critical partners like Google, who were international, and saying, you're seeing this in a precipice head ahead of everybody else. What are you seeing? How are you reacting? What are you thinking? How are you operating? And really just reaching out. Groups like Reela, the, the, um, you know, the Retail Industry Leaders Association, is a group of CEOs that come together and builds a community 
at multiple levels, legal, HR, um, business, non-conflicting, and turning to different organisations to say, how do we as a community operate? How do we think holistically about this rather than be on an island? And so I think being incredibly open, being agile, and being incredibly human in that moment were the things that guided us and knowing we were never going to be the experts, we just had to learn and apply everything that was happening in real time uh, and be completely transparent about that. Mm, Okay. And, you know, now that you've been, you know, extending that two weeks into 53 weeks, probably like so many different CEOs for large companies, what I'm curious about, and even small ones, obviously, but what I'm curious about is what is true for you about remote work? Because I know that that's the direction the world is headed, whether executives like it for their company or not. But what do you feel or what was your sense based on how productive, effective, or results-driven it truly was as an experiment for the company? Yeah, I mean, it was a definitely a huge experiment for our culture, for our organization, because it had been somewhat autocratic and definitely office-bound and tenure-bound. And all of a sudden, we were unlinked to those things and we had to create new links. And so I think for, for me, I'm incredibly proud of how this organization has not only coped but prospered in this environment with the level of change management and reformation were created. I think for us, it was about really fundamentally communication and rewiring communication and trust to be a new framework. And and in some ways, COVID was an aggressive act of acceleration. It shook our tree, it shook everyone's tree and made you think and act. Not If you stayed in survive mode, you were in trouble. You had to think about survival and thriving at the same time and how to pivot in those. And so for us, it was an accelerant of building deeper bonds of communication, trust, transparency, the values that we laid down against our purpose and actually living them every day you can't, you know, you can't stand at your desk and point. That's not leadership. Mm. Um, so it was actually more challenging but empowering to sit in your home and share and talk and engage and set parameters, but then truly empower and then weave that DNA strand through everything that you're doing. And so you have to balance clear leadership with vulnerability. You have to build you know, decision-making with transparency. And I think that these were things that were near and dear to my heart, but had to be laid open bare, shared, agreed upon, and accelerated during the time of COVID. Mm, Okay. And as far as pressure goes, I mean, I imagine this kind of change, you know, where you're suddenly overhauling how thousands of employees work and operate, there must've been plenty of stress on your plate. Yeah. How do you disconnect at the end of the day? How do you manage that kind of stress? I know for me as an entrepreneur, like the weirdest curveballs will come my way. And it has been so much personal development to close my laptop after I read a bunch of curveballs and then have my my evening. So how do you create that well-being for yourself outside of work? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think I have a great book inside of me somewhere that will come out one Mm -hmm. day. Um, that will share the visible journey and the invisible journey. Because I think it's, you know, I was a first-time CEO. I started, was appointed to this role in November 
2019. Oh my gosh. Five months later, as I'm restructuring the organization, building a new plan, defining a strategy and a culture, this is what we're dealt with. Financial stability, furloughing 40,000 people in one day, heartbreaking. Um, And you have to find personal strength and resilience. And I have had many points to reflect on that. And I think that, you know, I'm 58 this year and I personally love the fact that I can still learn and grow and adapt at every point in my life and that I still get these challenges. I don't want these challenges every year of my life, but 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 this was a grand doozy. And what I found was the need to find new levels of resilience, but also to creating a sharing and learning culture really helped me. I I did it with others. I didn't sit on a pulpit. I, I actively protected my team, but I engaged with them in the realities because they were facing the same challenges as me and, and, and really allowing that humanity or that transparency, the realism to be part of our engagement, even in a finite level, was really helpful but also important so they could see that, you know, you're not some superhuman, untouchable that holds some divine right to lead that you are living it and breathing it with them and you're here to help mm. i think it was really valuable i think to the very essence of it um i think turning to my partner my wife bernadette and really my family and friends and creating a bubble of trust and and you know we set up friday evening calls with old colleagues Every Friday, we're still doing it to this day where we sit around and we have a drink and we talk about not our businesses, but our lives. We talk about um, COVID. We talk about politics. We talk about our families. We talk about how we're, what, we're, what we're enjoying. And I think balancing out what is stressful with what you are grateful for. Uh, and so I think that family and friends, picking a great partner in life is essential to that if you can do that. Um, but for me, they were some of the balancing act refuge points and and making time to stop reflect read communicate i think just the word balance is is omnipresent in all of those yeah love that and it's that's something we talk about a lot on the show is the choice to pick the right partner i know that that has according to research a huge impact on how your career is so i'm so happy that you have that especially during times like this where you step into this new role and six months later the whole world changes i mean can't even imagine so i know that you have some insights on and i love by the way that you said steady head big ears small mouth i remember in my first leadership role in corporate before i started my business i reported to the cso of a fortune 100 company and i was managing their intelligence and threat team and i remember the cso was the most quiet and steady person in the room and everyone wanted to be around him because he had such good energy and I would watch people jockey for his attention and it was so interesting to see how his steadiness his willingness to listen was so huge and so I know that you have kind of a guiding mantra of simplify and go and I would love to hear a little bit more for everyone who's thinking about making change in their life or navigating change at work. What could simplify and go mean for them? And what does it mean for you? Well, firstly, I would just say to you, to your last point, I do not want it to, to correct because there's some people probably out there laughing that know me if they're listening to it say, he does not have a small mouth. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I think rebalancing my personal equation as 
a thinker and an, an outward articulator of my ideas. I like to engage. I love the bounce. And so I think in that, it's saying you need to create space to redefine yourself in that. So my ears were much bigger. My mouth was much smaller. It still means I had a mouth on me, but but I think it's just about balance. So I wanted to clarify to be, be completely transparent there. But I think, you know, this idea of simplify and go, interesting for me how this has been built into my personal mantra and equity. I worked for Nike for many years. I was had the, the good fortune to join them in um, the Australasian market, and I was the head of retail uh, for the organization there and worked on a global scale as well. I was then seconded to work uh, for them in headquarters in global merchandising and then ran their apparel business in Europe, uh, Middle East, Africa. Um, and so I had some tremendous experiences. But during my tenure with them, the company expressed a clear mission statement, a purpose statement, and a set of values that were used as guiding principles. And there was 11 of these, which I would tell you is too many. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And their intentions were always positive. And I remember four or five of them. But one of them that I used every day with my team was one called Simplify and Go. And so I'm riffing on my Nike experience there from back in the early 2000s, which was break it down to its common elements. Let's just have the discussion. Let's not overcomplicate it. But let's act. And for me, when I was in this COVID moment, it's been a mantra in every organization I've worked in since. And prioritization, uh, you can still have a long list, but you need to know who you are and what you're doing. And everyone needs to understand that together. How do you simplify elements? How do you empower people with, with the truth? Um, break it down to its core elements and go. And go is also subjective. I mean, for us, we built a culture here around change and transformation that said when COVID started, I, I sat down and said, let's simplify and go, but let's let's agree there's no sacred cows because, hey, we're working from home and this is working and we're making this decision. You're empowered to make this decision. You're doing a great job with it. That's not how we operated before. So all of these pivots are showing us that the previous way we worked doesn't need to exist. Let's challenge everything. Let's, let's, let's agree there's no sacred cows. And when we did that, it allowed people to be free to think about smarter, more effective ways to work, how to use their organisation, their resources, their time in new ways. But with this premise of break it down for me and tell me how it's going to accelerate what you want to achieve. We're not going to hurt anyone in the process. We're going to actually help people. Mm. And so either expressed through those words or through other verbiage, this concept of breaking it down, simplifying it, empowering people to make decisions and then getting them to go against agreeable goals. I mean, I often talk about constants and variables in the business as well. Tell me these things are a constant. Let's agree on them. They're non-negotiable. Now let's now spend our time on the variables. And I think people do it the other way around. A lot of time they always start talking about what's different or what they want to propose. Let's get general agreement on the big stuff and let's break it down and move. And then we can shift our, our emphasis on the variables. And those interweaving concepts of and go, concepts and variables have helped me and my team to focus, prioritize, align, hold hands and be powerful individually or together. Hey, you 
Q-Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but if you're anything like me working from home, this quarantine has got you craving some structure. And I've gotten so much out of committing to a morning routine every single morning that's looked like burning some Palo Santo, sipping some coffee, journaling, and of course, making my protein shake with Organifi's vanilla or chocolate protein powder. I replace one meal a day with this protein powder. I just grab my Vitamix, I put in a scoop of their vanilla protein, frozen organic blueberries, a scoop of sunflower butter, and coconut milk into the blender, and boom! That gets my little candy-addicted five-year-old living inside of me so happy, feeling like she just started her workday with what tastes like a dessert that is somehow healthy. So if you follow me on the gram, you know that even when I try to eat healthy, I tend to have little snacksidents, and that's why I'm so grateful Organifi is now sponsoring the U-Turn podcast. It is so great to have their support. So if you are looking for some consistency and structure in your diet, I cannot recommend their protein powder enough, and they just upped our discount with them to 20% off. So just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N, and don't forget to use the U-Turn code at checkout. Now let's get back to this week's episode. And, you know, I, I always say on this show, it's like, it's so easy in today's world to be complicated, isn't it? It's so hard to be yeah. simple. I just think about that all the time. And I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Steve Jobs that that was one of his primary concepts with his team was the constant question of how do we make this even more simple? Right. And I mean, look at the well, whole brand. If you think about a world where everything was complicated and, and stressful and complex for everybody, in a company where we were driving, one of our principles was to be customer inspired. A customer doesn't want complexity. So our very purpose statement was, let's make it easy to feel at home. Mm. And, and so the word feel is in there, but the word easy is in there. Mm-hmm. And so that simplify idea, whether it's through service or goods or engagement or communication, efficacy, all those things come back to ease because no one wanted complicated before, mm-hmm. but they wanted less so in the last 12 months. So listening to your customer with those ears and trying to reflect that simplification, engagement and relationship of trust is fundamental to the business proposition. Yes. Okay. And I love one thing you had kind of referenced just around this idea of leadership and change management, which was conversations at work and about work are like a tennis match. So, I mean, I know that that means you ask a tough question. You're, it's not that you're serving the ball to ace someone, you're serving it to kind of hit back and volley. And I, I think sometimes people get defensive really easily. And I know how hard that can be uh, in the workplace if you're defensive. So can you talk a little bit about this idea of a tennis match? Yeah, look, it, it's, it's a, a metaphor that I used to try to explain myself a little bit. And uh, I was in, you know, doing some management workshopping and we were like, Let's tell some mark one thing we really love about working with you. This is from my peers on a leadership team uh, in a very big company, and and I am a thinker and and a an external bouncer, and I like to share, and I'm also very comfortable. I think it's part of my Australian heritage being provocative. I don't see conflict as being ugly unless you turn it that way. I think you can create friction to have debate, to have engagement, and then to have outcomes. 
And not everyone's like that. I was working for a big Midwest company. They had a different sensibility. And so people appreciated that I would put things on the table, that I had a point of view, that I wanted to engage. And they also liked sometimes I took the heat off them because it's what they expressed because I put it out on the table. But there was this kind of, I think from some, well, are you trying to catch me? Are you trying to um, push me into somewhere I'm not comfortable? Are you trying to show me up even, I think, sometimes? And what I realized is that I had my style, but I hadn't explained myself. I thought I, I, I thought I was clear through my, you know, 100% on the table, very transparent, very open. I thought people got me. And, and I think that's a, a big assumption as a leader, as a person. And it's often great to be able to translate that to your teams. I would ask questions in this company of my team and I would be curious, but they would assume that meant that I didn't trust them because I was asking the questions. And I was like, wow, how did they get there? But it was their culture and their sensibility. So I started turning around saying, let me talk about how I operate and what I'm trying to achieve so you can understand my positive intent. And as I frame these things, you can understand it. And I said, I feel sometimes like we're playing tennis and where I'm hitting the ball over the net, I'm, I'm serving, I want you to hit the ball back so I can bounce it back to you. We can play, we can bounce, and we can have a great tennis rally. And I think sometimes you think that I'm trying to ace you. Mm. And I said, all I want to do is bounce and play tennis. And people stopped and went, oh, you know, I'm talking major leaders in the organisation. And by – so. It actually was my responsibility to frame who I was and what I was trying to be in that in those moments so that I could get greater understanding and empathy mm. and show that I'm truly open to challenge and creating a forum for engagement so we can make it better to simplify and go as opposed to I've got the idea. Mm. And that's what you resonate as a person and as a leader. And rather than saying, why don't they get me? Take accountability for that and help people to understand what you're trying to be. And I realized I hadn't done that. And so I owned it and I shared it and I got some real recognition for that. And it made my interactions so much more, I think, rich. Mm. And everyone wants to belong. Everyone wants to feel understood. There's nothing worse than feeling misunderstood. So I think my message would be to own that and see how you can share you know, within reason clarity around who you are what you're trying who you're trying to be and have people understand and therefore accept you mm. love this okay and you know collaboration it's it's such a mind it's such mindset work to be in collaboration because i know that our career right. comes with so much worthiness and fear and messages we get as a kid and a lot of people the desire to survive and make money and be seen in mm. a certain light is so real it's so cellular so you, you talk a lot about creating a sharing and learning environment, how imperative it is, especially during change, of course. But in your leadership meetings, I know that you ask, what did you share last week that was meaningful to you or someone else? Or what did you learn last week? So can you tell me a little bit about what it was about this particular question that inspires you and why you've been asking your team these questions? You know, Thank you for asking. It's very near and dear to me. And I would tell you that I don't move into an organization and start with that. I actually evolve into it because I think you've got to build trust to be able to have that engagement. And I, I very early in my career at Nike, 
I had a, a fantastic leader who inspired me, Mel Sutton, and he was the managing director of the Nike business in the um, Pacific region that I worked for. And he'd worked in the US for Pepsi Frito-Lay. And they have a they had a great HR area and a great level of way of engaging. He introduced this process called a one-on-one process. I would meet with him every, every month um, and I would sit down with him and we'd talk about my strengths and my opportunities and I would talk about, you know, what was going great, what was, you know, a low light, what was a red flag, what was an action for improvement. And so I could give him transparency on my business, on my leadership, on my team in a nutshell and he didn't have to ask me 50 questions and I could completely be transparent and he could be my partner. Mm. And it was a great skill set to learn and I've deployed it ever since. And I haven't always deployed it at the start because you can think, oh, that might be a culture clash. But I always come back to it and it always ends up being a very effective tool. So with my team, I sit down every two weeks uh, with every single one of my leadership team members. They sit down, they prepare their thoughts, have a cup of coffee, they sit with me, we chat for a minimum of an hour. And we share. And that precludes any kind of email or conversation anytime we want to chat, but it's just a nice stop, drop and roll moment to simplify and go, right? Mm. And so I introduced the idea of the sharing and learning environment. We have to be coaches, but I really want to know what you're sharing to help influence, engage culture, community, business outcomes. Mm. But what are you learning? What are you absorbing? What are you finding out about? And people will start off and say, I learned these three things. I go, yeah, that's your job. But what are you learning that's enriching you? Or what are you sharing that's enriching others? Mm. And that really led is leading to environments and has in the past and is here where people are making time to connect with each other one-on-one and say, hey, I want to tell you about my goals. And I want to tell you what I'm trying to achieve personally and professionally. And this is what I want to share with you about how you can help me. But what are your ideas on that? And what are your goals? And the people are really starting this connected, sharing, trust transfer and that level of empathy leads to faster decision-making, greater trust, uh, more agility. So this idea that I'm constantly sharing with my team what I'm learning and I'm showing truth and vulnerability in that, but I'm also sharing things with them and I'm learning things in real time. It's a constant state of evolution. I think anyone that says I've reached the mountain, I'm there and I'm complete is, is fooling themselves that's a symbiotic relationship that we share and that they're now sharing with their wider organizations. So I think it goes to culture, it goes to communication, it goes to transparency and trust. I think it makes it stronger. I love this. Okay. And it's interesting, right? Like I think sometimes when we're in this autopilot, we don't really take a step back to think, how are we making an impact? How are we contributing? How are we showing people? Sometimes we don't even realize what we're learning until we anchor in and pay attention to it. So it's, it's a great question. And I know that, you know, one thing that's come across just talking to you in this conversation is the combination of curiosity that you have and obviously courage, you know, to be where right. you're at. Um, and you talk about how that leads to good decisions and courageous decisions. And one thing I write about in my book is there's this coach named Dan Sullivan. And he once said to me, you know, fear, is wetting your pants and courage is doing what you're supposed to do with wet pants. And so yeah. I always think about that. And I just, I love what you're <laughs> saying about curiosity without courage. It's, it's not productive and having courage without curiosity can be dangerous. And I so agree. And I see this a lot, especially with entrepreneurs where 
you know, um, maybe they have a lot of courage, but they don't have that curiosity to make sure that where they're putting their energy makes sense. Or in the workforce, I see a lot of people who are very curious and they have a lot of ideas, but that piece of like really being courageous and stepping into their ideas can be scary. So just curious for your insight on these two concepts of curiosity and courage and and how you use them in your own mindset with leadership. Well, you know, those that have worked with me over the years in different organizations always talk about the tritonisms, right? The, the words and phrases. I mean, we already covered a few, right? Simplify and go, sharing and learning, curiosity and courage. I have a bag load of them, but but um, I think that's the English teacher in me again. But I think that, that one was an interesting one that evolved actually about uh, back in 2016. It's a relatively new tritonism that came out of a question from one of my team. So I had talked about, I always had a mantra around three things I really value, which is alignment, discipline, and balance. Alignment is let's all get on one page, right? Let's all lock and load on those constants and variables that we all want to work to. Uh, Let's apply the right discipline. How are we going to approach this? We prioritize. We're saying who we are and who we're not. We've got metrics. We know what we want to achieve, and let's go after that. And balance is saying, Let's do this in a balanced way. Let's not kill ourselves to get there. Let's make sure that we're balancing the profitability of the business with the health and culture of it. Let's, let's to your earlier point, make sure at night we can breathe, we can balance, we can stay whole and stay resilient. So they've been important mantras to me. When I joined Target, I was doing informal brown bags with my organization. I had about 3,500 people there. So I didn't get to meet everybody at all times, but... I wanted to get to know team members and I wanted them to get to know me. And someone asked me this very simple question in the first month that said, Mark, you're new and you're our leader. So we're keen to understand what does good look like and what do you value? What do you look for? And what do you value in a, a, a player in any part of the organization? I was like, hell, that's a great question. Mm. And what came out of my mouth was immediately, well, I really love it when someone is, is curi- curious and I said, but I also need them to have courage. And this is where the tritonism began. I said, like, curiosity is great, but if you don't use it, it's kind of a waste. Mm. But if you have courage and boldness without curiosity to get there, then you're going to be dangerous potentially. And if you fuse those things together and you listen, talk, bounce, share, engage, and then lock through those two ideas that you've curious to explain, explore, lock, and then do something with it on behalf of the customer, the community, and the business, you can be really powerful. And so I immediately sat down with my new team at Bed Bath & Beyond and said, let me tell you about myself. And, you know, this is where you layer on your learnings. I kind of laid some tritonisms on them. Um, And I I eat them out. I didn't dump it all at once. But I said, look, I value this in others. And it was an organisation that didn't necessarily allow for those things to happen. And so I had to eke it out of people and build their trust that I was real about that. And so that for me has been really important because if you've got those things, you can then align others, build the disciplines on how to get there and you move, right? Move with intent and you move together. And I always say I'd rather be wrong together than right on my own. I Mm -hmm. think this is really, you know, the, the stuff that says, help me to think through how I should engage with you 
how you will value me and how I will add value to this enterprise. Mm. Mm. Love that. Okay. And I know that that's not the usual, right? Like I think a lot of people would rather be right on their own than wrong together. And it's, it's a good thing to hear from you. I also know that to transform during times of change, Bed Bath & Beyond, any company needs a pretty strong foundation. And it seems like you definitely rebuilt the foundation of your business uh, so that you could advance a real change management agenda through the pandemic for employees, right. for customers, right. for the team. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I know that you you have a very strong brand, um, but it's going to call, you know, the change in the times is going to call forward even more out of you. So curious what you needed to do next to keep yourself agile and take action. Well, I think we needed to be real about who we were, where we were going. It was inherent that a business that was in double digit daily, weekly, quarterly declines for several years mm-hmm. um, and was really eroding shareholder value. That's not what we're here to do. We're not making the customer happy. We're not making the shareholder happy. We, we have a place. We were a very beloved brand, but we were squandering our inheritance. I think for us, I inherited a team that were really on board with the fact that it was time to change. That wasn't in question. But what do you do? Where do you go? How do you get there? And I think rather than telling people, you have to show people. You have to use facts and data. You have to understand who you were, who you are, and where it's going. And I think that the definitely the retail business, I think one of our roles as leaders is to be great storytellers. And I mean tell a story. I mean be a storyteller, almost like a director of a movie. And people are going to know the plot. They're going to know the characters. They're going to know, you know, how the chapters string together and how do you get from the start of the book to the end. And one of the things we struck on very early was was so much about the home. We built a purpose statement. But we started thinking about the transformation of our company more like a story. And I, I, I out of the blue in the first two weeks was saying, which could end up as another tritonism, I suppose, hey, this is like a great HGTV episode of renovation. Mm-hmm. Renovation, reconstruction, redesign. We love the neighbourhood we We don't want to leave our home, but it doesn't serve us properly, right? It needs a new boiler. It needs a new electrical work. It needs the kitchen. It needs some walls knocked down, right? We need to extend. We need to put a chandelier in the guest bedroom, but we'll get there through the priorities and the process and how do we simplify and go. But we have a much beloved neighbourhood and home and family. We just need to do a lot of work. And so let's work on not just the foundations, but the vision for this house. Let's let's draft up this vision of our company and let's talk about the steps it's going to take. As you would with a blueprint, an architectural blueprint of plumbers, electricians, builders and the homeowner. And so actually it's interesting because the metaphor is extended to our, our monthly plans um, and our weekly tracking of that is called a blueprint meeting uh, that we revise, review and revise our blueprint plan. And as any good tradesbook do, you have to modify sometimes when you learn as you move, as you renovate. But we are definitely renovating and reconstructing at the same time, but having a clear vision of our home, what it means to us as a family and our community and our neighbourhood are really important. And that metaphor has helped us solidify our actions. Uh, so 
building a plan, communicating it, making it transparent, being agile with the plan has been the blueprint that we've deployed. We shared that with the street in October, our three-year plan. We're racing against that plan, doing incredible work uh, and, and monitoring our performance uh, as architects, builders and homeowners all at the same time. Mm, love this. I, I feel like I could ask you so many questions about changes. There's something <laughs> as we're completing that perhaps I haven't asked you that you think would be really important for anyone who is listening or just in general, a piece of advice that you think really transformed your career? Big question, but you know, I think the first thing is, as we're talking about change, know that the world is changing and your customer is changing. And if you're truly customer-inspired, listen to them. Uh, I think the customer is in charge. We, we work with and for the customer and to be inspired by them and reflect them both entrepreneurially um, ahead of the curve and after the curve is really, really important. I, I think that What's been an interesting reflection journey for me is, is you know, to those out there who are building their career, know what drives you, know your, know your integrity, your soul, your intent, what your values are, and find a home for that. And if you find that you feel there's, there's trials and tribulations along the way, you've got to go with the flow. You've got to learn from those things as well. If you find yourself in a place that is completely juxtaposed, those things, you won't die if you change. Mm. Flex, grow, move. You know, I am, as I said, 58. I'm an Australian living in New York, running a multi-billion dollar company. I started out as a school teacher. Mm. You know, you have, you have to stay agile. It's a, not a linear pathway to where you want to go. And your life unfolds in front of you, but you are in charge of those things. Don't ever be the victim. You own those things. You own your decisions. Explore, have fun with it. It's it's going to be okay. I love that you reminded us about you having been a teacher because that was something that early into the conversation and I just got on a tangent with you about leadership, but that I love to hear because I think the most interesting and successful careers are not linear since as humans, we are not linear. We are growing right. organisms, but ones where you keep following what feels right, where you keep harnessing your core skill set, where you keep honoring your core values. These are things I talk about in my book that just came out. And I think it's in the, at chapter 10 or 11, I talk about how there's 10 different core motivators. And it's really important to know what motivates you because especially as a manager, just because you're motivated by more money doesn't mean the person sitting next to you, that's going to move the needle for them in their career. So it's, it's so great to hear about you transitioning, you caring about what motivates you, about, you know, honoring who you are in your career. Um, and in the meantime, until you write your book, which I have an agent, I can recommend you if you need one. Um, <laughs> he's such a good guy. But um, where can everybody keep learning from you? I feel like you have so much to say that, uh, you know, we would love to keep listening. You know, I think I'm, that's a great point. I, I think I'm an open share. We do it through the media. Uh, we do it with our results. I actually am currently doing some some great guest lecturing work and talking to other organizations. And look, I'm still in my first 18 months just completing that as a brand new CEO. So I am not an evolved end state in what I'm doing. So I'm still learning and growing. But I, I would like to see in my future something around... Um, how do I communicate and give back? So you give me something to think about there. And, and I would say, 
I loved actually where you said honoring your core values because that's what I was trying to say, and I love that you kind of put it into a basket. Mm-hmm. Um, find find your joy because it's it's what will propel you through life. And knowing part of the journey is really working out core values, right? Are they not your parents? They're not your. They're not necessarily what's given to you by your workforce. It's a conglomerate of who you are, and I think that's part of life's journey. Go after that. You'll find your joy, and when you do, it's all good things. You can cope with COVID and so much more in your life when you have those things at the center of you. Mm, Thank you again for being here. I appreciate you. Actually, thanks. I was on the couch for sure. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. In the meantime, if you heard about any resource that you're interested in from one of our guests, you can find it listed in our show notes on the podcast tab of my website, ashleystahl.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. On that page, you'll also see our free quiz to help you discover what career path you're actually meant for. And of course, we cannot thank you enough for written podcast reviews. I read every single one. I get so motivated from reading your words and it just means the world to me that you take a moment if you have an Apple device and you write an actual review for me. Thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate you being here and cannot wait to connect with you next week. Thank you.